to Reading the Bible Together podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. Today we are talking about Acts chapter 7, and I am so excited about my guest today. My guest is lead pastor at Mill City Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. She is co-host of Lead Stories podcast. She is Pastor Steph O'Brien. Welcome, Steph. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. How fun. Yeah. So is it okay if I call you Steph? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I figured. But if people want to find out more about you, it's actually Pastor Steph. PastorChef.com. Yeah, when I was a little kid, um, I didn't mind being called Steph or Stephanie, but when I got to kindergarten and had to start writing my name, I just thought, man, everyone gets to go out to play quicker than me. And I have vivid memories of asking if I could write Steph. And my teacher said that once a day I had to write my whole name, but now anything goes, but Pastor Steph works. <laughs> That's a great story. Fun, Stephanie, fun does, fact. Yeah, Stephanie does have a lot of letters in it. It does. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we are talking about Acts chapter 7, which it's the, it's, uh, I mean, I think it's a story that a lot of people who at least grew up in the church are familiar with. Yeah, I, you know what, I love, I love the book of Acts. I'm glad everyone's going through it. Um, people often say, you know, it's Acts of the Apostles, and I always say, you know, it's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit, yes. and everyone else is just trying to keep up with that and what the spirit was doing. And, you know, I think that's what, that's what Stephen was doing here as well, you know, trying to follow what God was asking him to do. But um, of course it, it's a, it's a tragic situation, but a really powerful witness. It is. And the, you know, when he's appearing before the court and he gives this great history. And it, I mean, it reminded me of back in Luke 21, when Jesus says, don't worry about what you'll say you know, mm. the spirit will lead you. And we see the spirit leading Stephen and this great, just giving the whole story of, yeah. of his people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was common at that time to do that kind of thing in a Jewish setting to kind of make your points by showing the history of Israel like this, but it's really a, a really remarkable account of that, of course. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> um, and, and you see kind of, as you read through the story, I mean, it's, it's quite long. And as you read through the story, you see him choose to emphasize certain things and not emphasize other things. And, you know, it's kind of curious, you know, for instance, he doesn't hang in there talking about Moses quite as long as, as other times you might find that in other Jewish recordings of, oh, they, you, you kind of skipped over that. Why did you skip that over that? And for the most part, we don't know why he did that. But, but I think his main point, it seems, is to, to come to the end and say, it looks like you can make a case that God has constantly been reaching towards humans, the spirit. And later he talks very specifically about the Holy spirit. The Holy spirit has constantly moved towards humans, but it's the humans who resist the Holy spirit mm. and what the spirit's doing time and time again, whether it's the spirit, uh, you know, working through Joseph, even as a slave, whether it's the spirit working through Moses to get the people out of slavery, whether it's the spirit, um, trying to, to work in the midst of the wilderness as people were feeling abandoned by God, yet God was just as present. And the spirit is always moving towards, towards God's people. And just like, just as that time, we have the same question today. If the spirit is moving towards us, it's God is moving towards us and inviting us to join in. Are we resisting? Are we not paying attention? Are we joining in? These are great questions for us that come from this text. They are. And what has been an impressive impressing me is exactly what you said at the beginning, that it is what the Holy Spirit is doing. I mean, Stephen, mm -hmm. I mean, this is a, he does have tremendous faith in chapter six. We see him described as a man full of God's grace and power and the spirit was within him, but it's the, 
it's not about him. It's about what the spirit is doing through him and the amazing things that all of these followers of Jesus are doing because they are willing to surrender to the Holy Spirit and willing to surrender to where the Holy Spirit is leading them. And, you know, things that the Holy Spirit is revealing to them is it's amazing. I mean, I've been finding just kind of like head blowing the way the spirit is moving. Yeah. Through his people. Well, I love that. I know everyone's reading through this. So I I love that the very end of chapter six, the last thing it says is that as Stephen gets up to speak, his face is shining like Mm. an angel. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and even that, um, you know, light and you see the spirit, uh, referred to as wind and light and a dove and all these different kind of different parts of, of nature almost, but there's, it's, it's always this phrase, like a, like when Jesus is affirmed in his baptism, it says that the spirit descended like a dove, not necessarily there was an actual dove. Oh, We're right. deciding to call that dove a Holy spirit, but like his face is it's like, he's lit up like an angel. And, um, you know, I have never seen anyone's face light up, <laughs> but, but, but I will say there's been times when somebody's speaking and metaphorically, it's like they're, there's a light shining on them. And I feel like God's saying to me, pay attention to this. Listen, listen. And I wonder, even though this story ended so tragically, if there were other people who walked away from that saying, I can't deny that there was something supernatural happening. And I heard something that changed me. And I wouldn't be surprised if um, that was a big part of some people's story after this happened. Yeah. And, and also I think, I mean, have you ever had the experience when you hear yourself saying something and you're like, that is not me. That yeah. is, that is oh, too short sure. for me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Or that's not what I was just thinking. So right. I can feel the spirit just putting this different trajectory, almost just kind of turning my gaze towards, or, you know, turning my trajectory towards another direction, which of course will cause to cause us to be in a completely different place. So yeah, absolutely. Well, and before we were recording, you were talking about, because we see this, you know, mob mentality and yeah. um, the way they go after Steven, Will you talk and they end up stoning him? Will you talk a little bit about what we were talking about before I hit record? Yeah. So it's, it's not uncommon in the ancient time for this type of public, you know, uh, murder is what it is, is murder. And um, of course the, the legal systems and the, the safety, it was very, very different. We can't, we can't really put ourselves in that context completely, but one thing that's really different in this setting than we experience, for instance, in the United States, is that there was, the Jewish people were really kind of living under two types of, of laws, really. They were living under, under the law of the land, which was the Roman law at this time in this location. And then they were living under the law of the Torah and their their understanding of the Torah and how they had come to understand it. So it had come to a place in the Jewish court that if someone was blaspheming the way that they believed Stephen was, of course, there's lies that are being told about what Stephen is saying and doing. They're not actually true. Um, but some of what he's saying is considered blasphemous to them. Um, some of what he actually did say is considered blasphemous to them. And it would be permissible to, to stone somebody for that kind of behavior. Now, not usually in a mob mentality, there would be a court, there would be a, a hearing, there would be an opportunity for someone to speak. So that was that was the first line that was crossed. Mm-hmm. The second line that was crossed is that in, in this Roman, in the law of the land, people weren't to be stoning people in this way. So even though they felt that it was true uh, to be, or it was right to be doing this by their own law religiously, it wasn't culturally legal. Like this was an illegal murder that happened in a public place. And they, um, this, the mob mentality, you know, you can see it when in that language of gnashing of teeth and, um, are furious instead of just saying they were, they were, 
disgruntled. I mean, it's furious. That's the way it's translated in the NIV. And, and then this idea of them laying their coats down in front of, of Saul, who we know becomes Paul, um, when his name is changed after he follows Jesus, he, he, this idea of the coats is kind of strange, but scholars are, are not totally sure, but it was almost like, take your coat off so you can have your arms free to throw those rocks. So it's almost this like, um, I take my coat you know, off and like, yeah, I'll meet you outside. Yeah. Right. Like I'm going to lay my coat down so I can grab a rock and we're going to really gang up on this guy, almost like, uh, akin to the stuff that would happen in the, the Greek, like Colosseums and stuff where people would just be brutally murdered for show and for, for people's aggression. And, and, and so there's just a really, it's a really, um, brash situation that's happening here. And what's interesting, one of the questions in the study guide is in what ways is Stephen's death, like Jesus's death? I think that comes at the end, at least what I noticed was similar, is that he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge him with a sin. And with Mm -hmm. that, he died. Yeah. Yeah. You see some real strong themes there, of course. First of all, the fact that he's being falsely accused to some point, Mm -hmm. you know, it says very clearly in chapter six, they're, they're spreading rumors about him in order to take him down. Right. Um, and that was clearly against the Torah <laughs> to lie. <laughs> right. Um, exactly. So, you know, there's just a lot of duplicity happening here. Um, and that happened with Jesus too. There was, oh, he said, he's going to do this and he's going to, um, this misunderstanding of the temple that you kind of read of the temple being torn down. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus was speaking and said, the temple will be torn down in three days. And he meant his body, um, and raised back up. And so this kind of rumor that, that this building that had become so sacred to them was going to be destroyed by Stephen and his followers or by Jesus and his followers was a similar rumor that's being dispelled today. And of course they were very angry because it felt even more so like Stephen was threatening that when he said, God doesn't live in a building made by human hands, you know, (laughs) but he's not saying, so then we're going to tear it down. But that was the rumor that was being spread. Um, So there's that same thing. Now the difference is uh, Jesus had a form of like a court, right? He was held before the Sanhedrin. I mean, there was a different pilot. There was a whole nother thing that happened legally there where this is clearly a fit of aggression and, and people who are furious taking that out on Stephen in the moment. Um, so that's pretty different, but absolutely the fact that he forgave those who, who had done this was just like Jesus, of course. And, um, that his, you know, his spirit was, was given up and, 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 and just to know that he had taken his willingness to follow Jesus so far that he knew most scholars would say he knew this is what was going to happen if mm. he was going to say what he said. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so he didn't come into this by accident. He knew that if he was going to be that clear to say, you are just like your ancestors, you resist the Holy Spirit, uh, you killed him, you killed Jesus. He knew that that was most likely going to, that's what most scholars believe because of, of the actions they'd seen mobs like this take before and the zealous nature of those folks who were with Saul at the time. Well, and I think what's interesting is that as we see, you know, Stephen and others even appear before governing bodies is that they're, mm-hmm. they're very in their face about that. This Jesus mm-hmm. that came that you crucified was yeah. raised from the yeah. dead. He's very there. They make no bones about <laughs> who, who was it that took Jesus life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't these oppressive Roman leaders who they're so afraid of, who are, are scary because they have oppressed them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't them. <laughs> it was the people who had been under the same burden of, of marginalization that took that out on their, on this other person, mostly because of fear of what they thought they were going to lose around power and around the building. And I mean, just many yep. things. And I think a lot of us can resonate with that. We, we are afraid of losing what we have and um, it, it doesn't always lead to such crazy behaviors, but it is certainly rooted in them. 
Yeah, I that's I'm so glad you said that because that's exactly what I was thinking. It, you know, at the end of chapter six, that you know, what is it that's motivating these people to to lie to go against the law? And it, I think it was wanting to preserve their power and their position, and because Stephen had hurt their pride. Yeah, and and when yeah. you feel like you're oppressed in the mar- larger culture, even more so, you want to hold on to what you have. Mm-hmm. And so the 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 language we sometimes use in like, uh, counseling is like hurt people, hurt people. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's a pattern that gets set and it, it goes on and on. And so when people feel hurt, they tend to take that out on somebody else, but not back at the aggressor that they're afraid of, but on somebody who's afraid of them. And so they're taking that authority and power that they feel that they have within the religious system out on, on G on Jesus. And then, you know, similarly on Stephen. And, and as we know, as the story goes, Many others are martyred, not by the hands of others, but by the Jewish community. And I think it's important, too, to kind of take note that about Saul being there, about them laying their coats at his feet, to think yeah. about the position that he had makes the what we're going to see in the next few chapters when he has his conversion experience. How yeah. I mean, how amazing that is, that someone right. who purposefully made it their mission to destroy you know, the movement of these people that were following Jesus ends up right. becoming a follower of Jesus himself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think it's so important to note that it, this is not like it was all Jewish people that were following down this road, mm-hmm. you know, that there was the, the the roots of Christianity in this moment. I mean, when Paul became a Jesus follower, it's not like he switched to a new religion. There wasn't Christianity proper at that time. You know, he became a follower of Jesus as a Jewish man. You know, and so there was a choice to be made then, just like there is now about whether or not we're going to follow truly what Jesus is inviting us into, whether or not it's what's going on in the rest of the culture around us, whether it's not happening in the culture of the world or even in our religious cultures. Sometimes we know, we know that sometimes we get it wrong and here was an opportunity. So it's important not to say, oh, well, this, you know, the Jew, the Jewish folks were the enemy here. No, not at all. Like that would be a very misunderstanding of, and, and, you know, really honestly has led to some anti-Semitism and, and things that are not fair. What's happening here is a few people are deciding to take matters into their own hands. And it was the Jewish community that first chose to follow Jesus. I think that is a great word to end on that we're following Jesus, no matter what. No matter what right. the culture is saying, no matter what, even, you know, sometimes our religious organizations, our churches sometimes, you know, don't always get yeah. it right, but that we're following where Jesus is leading us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that was the choice that Saul, who became Paul, made. And that's the choice that Stephen made and Lydia and so many others. And it changed the whole world. And we wouldn't even be talking about this right now if they hadn't been willing to do that. So most of us won't lose our life for choosing to follow Jesus. Um, but we might lose some things that we wish we could keep holding on to. But as Jesus says, you you know, when you lose your life, it's when you find it, because that's what it means to to follow me. And I offer you life to the full. Thank you, Steph. Thank you for taking time to come on and talk about Acts chapter 7. Absolutely. My privilege. Well, thank you for joining us for Acts chapter 7. I hope you're subscribed to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. We'll see you next time for Acts chapter 8. The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at MyFaithRadio.com. 